So we are jumping into part two of our series called This Year, and last week we started it, and last week we talked about last year, and so today we're going to start talking about this year. We're going to start talking about 2015 and the potential that's ahead, and man, just what priorities should look like, and all that God might have for us. We're going to spend the next three weeks doing that. Uh, Tonight, I just want to kind of start out by saying that there are several different things you and I are going to chase, seek, pursue, run after in 2015, right? Some of them are good, and some of them are bad, okay? Uh, Some of us have plans to to seek and, and chase after some really great stuff, and some of us, if we're honest, we have some plans to pursue some things we know are not great, that they're not going to honor God, they're not going to take us to places that ultimately we really want to go. Um, just some categories I'll kind of remind you of here. You know, in the good, we find some great things. Some of you guys are going to pursue some type of a new job or position within a job, and that's a good thing, right? There's nothing wrong with that. Some of you guys in the room, man, you're going to start chasing a girl that you want to date. And I literally mean chase. Like when she realizes you want to date her, she's going to run away, and you're going to have to chase her, okay? Um, some of you guys will pursue that. Again, a good thing, right? As long as you're follower of Jesus and she is and and you know you guys look at each other you know you roll your eyes at her and she picks them up and rolls them back you know that whole thing going on um and so that's a good thing that's fine uh, some of us will pursue um some type of a friendship it's just like man 2014 was good but I feel like my friendships were kind of lacking and I just I feel like I need to pursue some new friendships or deeper friendships and so we're going to pursue that and chase after that again a good thing some of us are going to pursue different types of entertainment again a great thing a God-given thing football man I'm, I'm pursuing that right now. It's fun. It's just a good, fun thing. Um, some of you guys are going to pursue different hobbies, art, and uh, my, my, son, my son and my, my nephews, and they all got like these darts and arrows. Some of you guys are going after archery this year. I'm just saying, all right? Um, stay away from my house, all right? Um, some of you guys are going to go just after different sports and entertainment and movies and acting and all. I mean, you're just going to do your thing, and you're going to enjoy that, and they're all great, really good things, right? And so we'll pursue some of that this year, and that's a good thing. But then there's kind of like the bad category, and let me just tell you right now that my whole point of my message tonight is not to tell you stay away from that bad category, but the truth is is that some of us are going to walk down roads that we know we're going to kind of regret, right? Some of us are going to walk down roads where we're pursuing a relationship that we absolutely know is going to drive a wedge between us and God, right? Some of us are, are shooting for a promotion, which there's nothing wrong with that, except we know we have to lie to get there. Right? Some of us are going to kind of pursue or seek revenge on somebody. It doesn't mean we've hired a hitman necessarily, but it does mean that every time they walk in, we're glaring in their direction. It does mean every single time we get a chance, we're going to take a little bit of revenge. We're going to stab them in the back when we can. We're going to gossip about them, put them down whenever we can. Some of us are going to pursue habits and addictions that we know have led to brokenness in the past, yet our plan is, if we're being real, right now we're going to keep on walking down that road. And so there's all kinds of Things you and I can pursue this year. Some great, some really good, and some really, really bad and broken things, right? But what I want to convince you of tonight, and what I hope to inspire you to, and if you're a follower of Jesus, what I want to remind you about, and if you're not a follower of Jesus, or if you're a newer follower of Jesus, what I want to hopefully present to you for the very first time is information that changed my life. I've been a Christian a really long time, and when I first heard this information, I had been a Christian for a really long time, and it totally amazed me because I hadn't gotten this. And I think if you're a follower of Jesus, it's easy to miss and it's easy to forget. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, this might shock you. You know, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you might think, this is incredible. I never thought that this God stuff led here. But what I want to convince you to pursue with all your heart this year, obviously more than all the bad stuff and and even more than all the good stuff is I want you to pursue God as your greatest pleasure this year. 
Your greatest pleasure. See, that was amazing to me. I can still tell you exactly where I was and what I was listening to when I first heard the concept that God wants to please us. He wants to satisfy us. See, I always just thought like, yeah, God was good and he loved us and he died on the cross and he rose back from the dead. I know he's got my back. I know he really loves me, but I never got the concept that it was him that was ultimately desiring to say, I want to please you. You know those places deep in your soul that you try to cram all kinds of other junk in there? You try to figure it out. You try to put stuff in that spot. Well, man, I'm here to please and satisfy those places of you, those places of your soul that you crave to be satisfied in, to find peace, to find joy, to find hope, to find something that just lights your, lights your face up, man, to, find, to be that thing you are most excited about. I want to be that for you. See, I just kind of thought we were just supposed to, you know, pursue God because we were supposed to pursue God, right? But man, the concept that my greatest pleasure in life is not a beautiful wife and wonderful kids and great friends and a job that I love and all those good things. No, my greatest pleasure in life is my relationship with God. Now, here's what so many of us think. We think, well, Doug's the pastor. He's supposed to say that. Um, It's not reality, though. Maybe for Doug it's reality, but for me it just doesn't feel like reality. Here's what I want to tell you today. You're going to hear from some ancient voices today. Not literally, that'd be creepy. Uh, you're going to hear from some ancient voices today, and you're going to hear some, from some current voices today. And I'll tell you what, somebody that wrote some words about 3,000 years ago and some people who you probably look up to and respect here today are going to say the very same thing. You know what they're going to say? That God pleases that God satisfies in ways no one else can and nothing else can. And so my heart for you guys this year, my heart for our church, my heart for me is that we would seek God as our greatest pleasure. Not just like it's something I gotta do, not just that I've got my arm twisted, I guess I better seek him or he won't answer my prayer. I gotta get on his good side. No, but that we would see him as the greatest pleasure in existence. It's not our duty, it's not our job, it's not a weight I'm putting on us. I'm trying to free us from the things that are less than satisfying so that we can pursue the thing that is most satisfying, which is God. So a little illustration, we're from Long Island, so that means we like food a lot. And so here's what I want you to think about today. Okay, over here, the Dollar Tree, you can get Fast Bites Cheeseburger Beef Patty with Cheese on a Bun in a box, okay? I'm just telling you right now that if you eat this, you probably will die. i just just letting you know that. Now, just in case I'm wrong, I actually, and I'm telling you the truth, put some bleach on the burger so that you really would die, okay? Now, this represents everything you and I will chase after this year that would lead to death. Everything on that bad list, right? Everything that I said that we could pursue that would be against God and would break God's heart, right? is ultimately going to lead to death. And we talk about this all the time here. Sometimes we're talking about that eternal death, that eternal separation from God. But, but man, when we sin, it leads to death every single day. We talk about this all the time. If you're a regular, you know I talk about this, right? I mean, when I sin against my wife, when I sin against a friend, when I sin against one of you, 
there's some death in our relationship, right? I mean, we can just look at billions of illustrations. You know, the, the drugs, the alcohol, there's some death in relationships. There's maybe some physical death in my body. There's aspects of death that I may run down there. I, my, my addiction or my struggle could lead to someone else's death. I mean, so everything that you and I pursue that's kind of against God is going to ultimately lead to death. And then I just have here, I just have like a good old burger, man. I just got a good burger. Nothing wrong with a good burger, right? And so you and I, if you bit this right now, you'd be like, that's, that's a good burger, okay? I just enjoy that. And so nothing wrong with seeking this. So we got the, the bleach burger and we got the good burger, okay? And nothing wrong with that. But then, my friends, I love you guys enough to enlighten you to Bobby's Burger Palace, but, all right? Okay? Bobby's Burger Palace. And, and, and when I walk in, they go, there's the bald dude that gets the Philly burger. That's what they say right then. I got the Philly burger. This bad boy's got hot peppers on it, cheese, right? The whole deal, Okay? Highest bidder gets to eat that later. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, and so here's the truth. The reality is, is everything that you and I pursue this year will either lead to death, will be kind of good, or will ultimately satisfy. Now, some of you guys don't like burgers, so let's go a different route, okay? Cheesecake. Now, this is actually a piece of bleach cake, okay? That's exactly what this is. And again, same idea. Man, you eat this, you're going down, all right? Now, we got this other piece again, and this is going to be good. It's going to be good, right? But then, my friends, right by Bobby's is the Cheesecake Factory. And the Cheesecake Factory has the fudge peanut butter cup ripple piece of cheesecake. And here it is, right? And I'm telling you, right? One's going to kill, one's going to be good, and one is ultimately going to satisfy. And you know what? If you don't like hamburgers or cheesecake, our prayer team will be right here at the end of the service. We would love to pray with you, right? No, but this is the reality, guys. It's, it's really, truly this simple. It's, it's that we can pursue things this year that are going to kill us, maybe physically, maybe spiritually, but, but definitely lead to some aspect of death in our relationship, in our lives. We can pursue good things, and I'm not saying don't. Hey, have fun watching football and have fun enjoying friendship and do all the things you do and pursue them. They're gifts. They're good things. But I'm just telling you, if you and I don't pursue the best thing, if we don't pursue what will ultimately satisfy, then we're just settling. Every single one of us, we're settling. We're missing out on that amazing thing, and that amazing thing is God. They will all fall short. All those other things just simply won't cut it at the end of the day. And so my heart for you and I today is just to look at Scripture and see what somebody who wrote about 3,000 years ago, is going to tell us he experienced. And the amazing thing about this guy is he had everything. He had the finances and the resources and the ability literally to try every option out there. Every bad thing he could have easily had. Every good thing he could have easily had. And quite honestly, he did try both the bad and the good. And you know what he found? The bad led to death and the good was okay. But he found that God as his greatest pleasure, was what satisfied. And so I want us to look at one of my favorite psalms in the Bible. And King David wrote this psalm. It's Psalm 16. It's up there with Romans 8. It's going to be just one of those psalms that I think will really encourage you. It's one of those just huge chapters in the Bible that I just absolutely love. And I just want us to see, Christian or not, you know, maybe you know what you believe, maybe you don't, but I just want you to see why pursue God as your greatest pleasure this year. Why him? What can he do that no one else can do? What can he offer that no one else can offer? Because the truth is, guys, 
man, we're missing out on so much if we just think to ourselves, I'll pursue God because I I should pursue God. I'll pursue God because he loves me and he died for me. Hey, those are great reasons to pursue God. But God wants to please you. God wants to satisfy you. He wants to fulfill those places in you that you just can't find fulfillment anywhere else. So uh, Psalm 16 says this, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. Now this word refuge in the Hebrew, it comes with this idea. He's talking about one of those days. You know those days when you're outside too long in the middle of the summer? You know those days and the sun is beating down on you and you are like just dying. You know when your head's pounding? You know when you start to feel nauseous? You know when like, well for me, my head starts burning, right? You know those days and you know you need to get out of the sun. You know you need to find refuge somewhere. That's what David has in mind when he's, when he's writing this. You know what, when life is blistering, I mean, what can you really find refuge in? A relationship, maybe for a time. Uh, stuff, entertainment, okay, maybe it distracts you a little bit. It's kind of like me putting a hat on when I'm out in the blistering heat. But ultimately, I need to find refuge. I need to find a tree. I need to find a place that I can get under that blocks out the sun completely, where the rays of the sun are no longer burning me, are no, no longer blistering down on me, where I'm getting sick. Because the truth is, so many of us in life, that's how we describe ourselves right now. It just feels like we're getting blasted. And we just need some refuge. And, and David says, hey, guess what? Why him is my greatest pleasure? Why God? Because I can take refuge in him. I can hide in him, in his love, in his unconditional love and forgiveness when life is just blistering. Then he says this, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord and I have no good apart from you. Why go to God as your greatest pleasure? Because apart from him, you have no good in the first place. Now you might say, Doug, I don't believe that. I don't even believe in the God you're talking about and there's good in my life. Okay, I I would agree with that statement, but here's what I gotta tell you. If there's any good in your life, whether you believe in him or not, God gave it to you. The only reason you or I have any good in our life is because Jesus died on the cross. If Jesus hadn't died on the cross, none of us would have ever laughed once in our life. Wouldn't have a person in our life that we love or loves us. Wouldn't have ever had a good day. Wouldn't have a good job. None of those things. Because those are all given to us because Jesus died on the cross. Everybody in the world experiences something called common grace. It's grace that goes to everybody, whether you believe in him or not. And so David knows the truth is that apart from God, I really don't have any good. And then I think even further David knows that really he was no good, just like I'm no good. And apart from God, I'm in trouble. I need someone who can rescue me and save me and just do what I can. And he goes on in verse 3. He says, As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. So the word saints in the Bible is used to describe people who follow God. So, you know, it's not like this weird spiritual term or anything like that. It's just those who love God and follow him. David's saying, hey, those people who put God first, I delight in them. Then verse 4, and this is amazing. Listen to this verse. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. The sorrows of you and I, when we run after what will kill, multiply. Now, some of us think, all right, Doug, I don't have like an idol in my room, right? I don't have like Baal. Baal's not at my house tonight, okay? (laughs) But the truth is, every time you and I take something and we put it in God's place, we've made it God. And so if it's entertainment or if it's stuff or it's relationship or it's addiction or whatever it might be, it's like we're just bound down to that thing. It's like we're We're worshiping that thing. We're making that thing God. And you know what's interesting? When you and I take something good and we make it ultimate, 
it actually turns into what kills. And so when you and I look away from God into all these other things, we are multiplying our sorrows. We're chasing after things that are just going to simply not just hand out a little sorrow, but it's going to say, hey, let me take your, your sorrow and multiply it by a billion. This is what happens to those, and I do this sometimes, this happens to us, when we chase after other things than God as ultimate. We get him out of that spot and put him somewhere else. I was reading last night about people who chase skunks for fun. Interesting, right? I know, some of you are like, ooh, i got to try that. <laughs> Shows the caliber of people we have here. Um, but, but here's the truth, guys. They chase the, the skunks and, and they get sprayed, right? And they, right? I, like, like, what did they think was going to happen? You know what I mean? Like, you just want to slap them and be like, what's wrong with you? What do you think was going to happen? And they multiply their sorrow, man. But you know what? That's us, guys. Every time we chase something that is other than God and we make it ultimate, every time we chase something that's against God, we're going to get sprayed. We're going to get up to a place where we multiply our sorrows, and we shouldn't be surprised by that. And so David goes on a little further now. He says, and he's talking about the people who chase after other gods. He says, their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. And so what David's saying here is, all right, so there's these gods that people worship, you know, which is just such a crazy concept. It would be like me taking this uh, platform, well, this isn't a platform, this, this stand here and saying, okay, uh, I'm going to rip the wood off this and let's melt this all down and we're going to build this new, new God. Now let's all worship this. And you're all sitting there going, wasn't that just your stand? I'm like, yeah, yeah, but now it's a God. So let's worship it and let's, let's take offerings and let's, let's pour out blood offerings and let's worship this thing right here. And David's going, I'm not going for that. I need the real God. And you know what? In the same way, you and I might not go home and melt down our, our, our earrings and our furniture and, and make them into gods, but we, we look at stuff and we say, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to honor you with my affection and my time. I'm going to look to you to please me more than I look to God to please me. And that's when we multiply our sorrows. And then he says this, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. David says, hey, Okay, I could have like anything, but my chosen portion, what I look to, what I lean on, what I hope in, what I desire, what I want, is God. That's my chosen portion. You can choose bail, you can choose entertainment, you can choose your friends, a relationship, an addiction, or whatever it might be, but I'm going to choose God because I know the truth that he satisfies. And, and that word cup, when it says my, my cup, it's the, the idea or the picture of a cup that's just overflowing with blessing. And David's saying, that's what I will choose. I want to choose God. Then he says this in the next part. He says, you hold my lot. You hold my lot. What does that mean? It means everything I have, God, you hold it. And it's a good thing you hold it because you take care of it in ways I can't. Like, it's just recognizing, like, all the good, all the blessing, and, and even the hardship. It's all in God's hands, and he's capable, and he's able. One of my favorite things as a parent is when we're all just chilling in the den, and one of my kids gets up to get a snack or something, and when they get up, one of the other siblings, like, you know, runs and gets in their seat, right, on the couch. And, and of course, they come back in with their jaw dropped, like, you're in my seat, you know, and Dad, he's in my seat. And I, I just love the moment when I get to say, you bought that couch? That's so cool. Like, I thought your mom and I bought it, but I, where, did you deposit us without knowing? Like, that's so great. I, we have a few hundred bucks, huh? Like, let's go party. You know, I, I just love that moment because the truth is, is 
everything that my kids own. I mean, really, I own, right? And, and that's a good thing because I care for that couch in ways they never would, right? They're not allowed to eat or drink on that. I'm allowed to. They're not allowed to eat or drink on the couch. And you know what? It's such a good thing. The best thing for my kids is that I don't let them do those things on the couch because, man, if my boys did, it would be like covered in Dr. Pepper and gummy worms, you know? If my girl got to care for the couch, it'd be bedazzled pink and purple, right? And so the best thing for my kids is to trust me with what they enjoy and what they think they own, and the same is true for you and I. When we realize this is a benefit of seeking God as our greatest pleasure, he holds it all, the good, the bad, the hard, everything we go through, it's in his hands. And he can care for it in ways that we just simply can't. And then in verse 6 he says, The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. And David, I think he's talking both physically and spiritually here. He's going, look, God's blessed me. Like everywhere I've gone, everything I've done, man, I, I mean, David was through, went through some really hard stuff, some of it because he chose, you know, the, the bleach burger, right? He chose to go down some really broken roads. But, but he could ultimately say that God overwhelmingly blessed him both physically and spiritually. And then he says this, verse 7, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. Why should I seek God as my greatest pleasure? Because God himself wants to be my counselor. Like how cool is that? I don't know about you, you ever had a moment where you just talk to somebody you really respect and they give you perspective on something you're going through and you, you just kind of unload on them all the stuff that's going on in your life and, and they just see things from a different angle and they counsel you and they speak into your life and you're like, wow, God wants to be that for us. God wants to counsel you and me. I mean, how often are we trying to figure out what God's will is and, and is this the right way or is that the right way and, and what do I do? And man, God is saying, hey, let me counsel you. I'll just ask a question that's hard for me to ask myself because I probably don't do it enough, but when's the last time you just simply ask God, do you want to say anything to me? Like I'm always yapping at you, but do you just want to say anything to me? Is any word you just need to speak to me? In a moment, a word from God can give the hope you need, the conviction you need, the direction you need. And it might be through his word. It might just be right him to you. And it might just be through another person. But man, God wants to be your counselor. Why seek God as your greatest pleasure? Because I don't know about you, but my TV is not a great counselor. Right? My entertainment, the fun things. I mean, I'm blessed by them. And I seek them for fun and entertainment in an appropriate way. And it's great. But there's something better than that. God wants to be my counselor, your counselor. I've set the Lord always before me. He's always there. He, I, I'm right by his side. He's always with me. I'm always looking to him. It's, it's that concept we talk about a lot here, that we stay plugged into God. He's always before me. He's always with me. I'm keeping the, the conversation alive with him. Because he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. It doesn't say we won't go through hard stuff. I was talking with a friend the other day who's really angry at God right now, and I love this guy. We were texting like two in the morning. I'm like, dude, I need to sleep, <laughs> but I love you enough. I'll keep texting with you. And, and he's angry. He's angry at God. And, you know, I said to him, bro, we all go through hard stuff. Either we go through it with God or without him. And David here is saying, look, when God is at my, at my right hand, he doesn't say I won't ever go through anything hard, but I won't be shaken. And I feel like, Man, if so many of us could just seek God as our pleasure, we would start to see like, wow, this was a hard time in life and this hurt and, and there was some brokenness there. But I gotta tell you, I wasn't shaken. 
I mean, a lot of you heard my dad's story last week of losing my mom and what God did to put life back together. And, and I can honestly say, as hard as that was, and as much as that, that was just terrible and it stunk, I can say we weren't shaken by it. It hurt and there was hardship, but we weren't shaken by it. And it's not, that doesn't dishonor my mind. It just honors God. It just shows that he can keep us in the midst of some of the hardest situations that we go through. Then he says this in verse 9, Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. So here is David saying, all right, I'm just telling you, I'm just, I'm just writing this out. I mean, David didn't know we were going to be reading this um, 3,000 years later. It wasn't like, oh, Doug's going to be preaching on this on January 2015, right? He had no idea we'd be writing this. He's just writing now in his heart. He wrote a song. That's what a psalm is. He wrote a song. And in the song it says, my heart is glad. My, my whole being rejoices. See, that's what God does when we seek him as our greatest pleasure. He sets our heart to be full of gladness and rejoice. That's not a phrase we use a whole lot. I've never heard somebody say, hey, I got the promotion. My whole being rejoices. Right? I think there's very few things on planet Earth can, that can make your whole being rejoice. And God is that one. Then he goes on in verse 10. He says, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. Sheol was, in Hebrew understanding, the place of the dead. Okay, so what David is saying here is, when I die, it's not like they're just going to bury me and that's it. It's not like, you know, I'm just going to go to the place of the dead. No, God's going to save me. And David was seeing way out ahead of him here. He was knowing and putting his trust in what Jesus would come and do. And this was, if you want to get real deep, this was a prophetic thing he was saying right here, that one day a Savior's going to come, and just like Jesus won't be put in the grave and die, I won't be put in the grave and just die physically and even spiritually, and that's the end of the story. No, see, God is bringing me to this other place, and we see that in verse 11. He says, you make known to me the path of life. Life. You bring life to me. I think that, that matters for here and now, but man, for eternity, you make known to me the path of life. You help me understand how to get to heaven. It's through Jesus. You help me understand how to navigate this path of life here and now while I'm on earth. Man, I don't know about you. What in your life does that for you? I mean, obviously, nothing is saving you eternally. Some of you walked in, in today thinking maybe you were saving you eternally. Let me just take that weight off your shoulders and say Jesus is the one and only that can save eternally. He's also the one and only that here and now can put the pieces of our life together and get us on that right path, walking the right way. And so that's why we seek him as our greatest pleasure. And then this, in your presence, there's fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. Not a little bit of joy, not a tiny bit of joy. Fullness of joy. Again, how many things in your life can you say that's true of? I think we all get a little bit of joy sometimes, you know, but I, I think, and I talk about this a lot, the moment where you laugh at something really hard and then you remember, oh yeah, but this is going on in life. That moment where, where oh man, I got distracted for a little while. That was a really fun thing I just did. That was great hanging out with those friends, but oh yeah, I gotta go back to real life now and real life is really broken. And here's David just going, no, no, fullness of joy. That joy that you can walk back into the broken situation with and be okay. There's fullness of joy in his presence. In his presence. That's why we seek him as our greatest pleasure. That's why we look to him to satisfy us like no one else can because I love my wife. I love my family. I love tons of you guys. I love what God's doing. I'm so blessed. But, you know, really there's one place where I find fullness of joy when I'm broken, when I'm hurting, when I feel like I've been let down or stabbed in the back or life just broke me. 
And it's only in him. And then he says this, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. At your right hand, right by your side, God, for the rest of eternity, God's plan, just in case you were wondering, is to satisfy you, to please you. That's his heart for you. But the beautiful thing is it's already begun here now, hasn't it? When you and I sit at his side, even right now, though it'll be obviously a lot more clear and a lot more real in that moment, when, when you and I sit in his presence now, there's such pleasure. I remember John Contest saying years ago that the, the last time you spent time in God's presence, like you remember that moment, like if you're a follower of Jesus and you're like, man, I just remember there was this one night and I was in, in my room alone or, or I was at church in the worship or it was that moment when my friend and I prayed or we were hiking and the sun set and I just felt the presence of God. He says, you know what? The last time you felt the presence of God, I can guarantee you this, you didn't want to leave it because right there is that fullness of joy. Right there are those pleasures forevermore. And so what I want you guys and I want me and I want us to live out this year and if we did, we would be satisfied people. My hope for us this year as a church is that we would seek God as our greatest pleasure this year. Let's, let's stay away from the things that are gonna lead to death. And you know what? If you walk down a road that leads to death, there's grace. God forgives and he restores. But man, there, we multiply our sorrows along the way, right? Let's, let's pursue some good and let's praise God for it, knowing every ounce of it is from him. But let's pursue, first and foremost, as our greatest pleasure, our Savior and our God. Because he alone is the one that satisfies. I'm not trying to like fool you tonight. You know, I'm not like trying to pull a rabbit out of a hat and you go, wow, that was really cool. But the truth is, no, see, the truth is God satisfies and he pleases. And all those other things we try to fill that void with let us down. And the funny thing is, we all know it. We've all tried it. We've all worked at it over and over and over again, haven't we? And we all see the temporary high and the temporary blessing, but there's just a better offer out there. You see, I'm not trying to twist your arm tonight. I'm just trying to lead you to your greatest pleasure, which is God. When I was a middle school youth pastor, um, I discovered something really cool. You know what I discovered? Kids love to be around me. They, they thought I was hysterical. It was great. Every joke I told, they're like dying laughing. It was the best thing, you know? And, and we go on trips, you know? We, we go down to like Dorney Park and stuff, and, and they, they want to be right by my side. Man, look, Doug, let's go on that slide. Yeah, we're going on that slide. Here, hold my money. Oh, great. I got to hold like 18 kids' wet money through. <laughs> that's, that's fun, right? Um, but they want to hang out. There, I think there's a sense of like just fun and like protection. And then a few years later, when I became like their high school pastor, you know what I found out? They didn't want to hang out with me anymore. My jokes weren't funny anymore. I mean, they just like got smart. Like, Doug's really dumb, right? But, but I'll tell you what, like what used to be fun and pleasurable and exciting for the kids was now a restriction. It's like, oh, I got to hang out with Doug. Dang, what'd I do? You know, like, like, oh, he caught me. All right, I'm with him the rest of the trip, right? And, and what was once so pleasurable and fun and alive just kind of became Ugh, I guess I'll do it. Half, oh, everybody else already has, okay, you guys go have fun. I'll take this one for the team and spend time with Doug on the trip, right? I mean, that's what it kind of, and you know what? I think the truth is that some of us are high schoolers in our relationship with God. And we can think back to the middle school years when, when we were like middle schoolers in our relationship with God and it was exciting and it was fun. And everything felt alive and being near God was so awesome. 
But some of us, we just kind of like, kind of got bratty. <laughs> and we, we know a lot now, and we, we maybe experienced a lot now, and it just kind of seems like what used to be fun and exciting and now is kind of like restrictive and a duty. And man, I would just love for us to get back to that place where being by God is exciting and being by God is passion. I'll tell you what, there's some of you out there, you once felt the call of God on your life and you were excited about it. But more and more you, you chase things that kind of took you down roads. Maybe you didn't plan on going down and next thing you knew, you didn't know how to get out of it. And man, imagine what it would feel like to get that excitement back and some of that purpose back, and maybe some of what God might want to do in and through your life. And I'm telling you, it comes when you and I seek God as our greatest pleasure. And so what did David help us see we'll get when we seek God as our greatest pleasure? Refuge. Real joy. Real pleasure. Satisfaction. All the things in my life are great, but none of those offer those consistently, repeatedly, without fail. And so my call to you and I this year is let's seek God as our greatest pleasure. It means we spend time with him. It means we pray. Now let me say this. Every single time you pray, you're not gonna be like, oh my gosh, that was the most amazing prayer time I've ever had. Sometimes you feel like you're praying and the prayers are just coming right back down off the ceiling, right? But when you and I zoom out on our lives and we go, wow, I spent years of my life praying, we're gonna see a God that responds. And that is really important because in the dark moments and in the hard moments and in the moments when it feels like the prayers are bouncing back off the ceiling, the best thing you and I can do is go, all right, I'm not feeling this right now, but I know this is right and I know this is good and I know this will lead to my satisfaction. And so you and I, man, let's make this a year where we seek God in prayer like never before. And sometimes that's gonna mean we're alone and we're by ourselves. And sometimes that means we're gonna be driving our car and we're gonna be at school and work and we're just keeping that conversation with God alive. Because in those moments, we find great pleasure. This is a year I'm calling us to open our Bibles like never before, to seek God through his word. Every single time you open your Bible, it's not gonna be like, oh my gosh, I just saw the most amazing thing and I feel so close to God. But again, when we zoom out on our lives, I can tell you, just my own life, looking back at all the times I've spent with God, every time I've opened my Bible in my life, I can say that over and over, God has restored me and given me exactly what I need to keep going. Sometimes it's conviction. Sometimes uh, somebody once said, don't read your Bible, let your Bible read you. You know, that, that the Bible, as we open it up, that it's, it's reading us. It's looking at our life and saying, Doug, I got something better for you. God's speaking through his word. I've got something better for you. Align with my word. Align with what I've got for you and watch me satisfy you and bless you. Let's let this be a year where we seek God together. Let our community grow. Every time you come to a community group or a church service or deeper or youth group, I'll tell you what's happening. You're seeking God. The closer you are to him, the more you're satisfied. And so let's make this a year that, man, being together is a priority. Tonight, I want to close by having some current voices just share with you guys a couple thoughts. And so I want to just ask if Artie and Brendan would come up just for a minute. And I just want you to see the power of what God can do, not just through David's eyes 3,000 years ago, but through these guys' eyes here today. And so I'm just going to ask them each three questions, and then I'll pray with you, and our band will be back up to lead us out. And so I just want to ask these guys, um, Artie, 
Brandon, they both come from very different places. They both sought different things when they weren't close to God. And I just think it's interesting to hear what God allowed them to walk through and now what he's doing in their lives. And so, bro, um, if you could just tell me when you weren't close to God, what were the things you were seeking to be your pleasure and your satisfaction? Um, uh, I, I look for it in acceptance from other people. Tried to find pleasure in other people's opinion of me. Um, I tried to find it in, in women um, and then led to me uh, looking for it in drugs and alcohol, which led to drug addiction. Um, and that really was just me trying to fill that emptiness that I had inside, which only made that worse in turn. Um, and I thought I had pleasure, but I really just had uh, an empty feeling inside. Okay, how about you, Brennan? To, to use your illustration, or I have some bleach burger qualities, but I'm a little more of a burger number two over there. Where um, For me, the things that I really, you know, that I was seeking for satisfaction were, one, just my own achievements. Like, I was just trying to do everything right. You know, I was the kid who never did drugs, never drank, and I thought I was great because of it, but again, left me empty. Um, but also my own plans, I was kind of controlling. I liked things to go the way I thought they should go, and I was trying to do right, but it just, you know, you don't know everything, you're not God, so your plans are not as good as his. And um, also just searching for truth. You know, I, I was not a believer uh, in Christ. I didn't grow up that way. I didn't um, believe that for a long time, and I was trying to find satisfaction and truth in anything that wasn't Jesus. And then ultimately when he came in, you know, changed things. But Okay. okay. Real quick, Artie, how did those things uh, let you down? Um, I remember one time um, when I was still in my addiction, um, I was talking to my mom, and she explained to me how um, we have a natural hole in our hearts, and she kind of explained it like that game that used to play when you were a little kid with the shapes that you'd have to put into uh, and, and try and get like the star to go through. And it's like a cross-shaped hole in our heart, and the only thing that can fill that hole is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, so the things that I did just fell right through that hole. It left me feeling, um, like I said before, empty. Um, I was an emotional mess. Um, I thought I had everything figured out, but um, towards, towards the end of my addiction, my life was just a, it was shambles. It was nothing. I had nothing. I felt nothing except just sorrow and regret. Um, I was lucky enough to grow up in a Christian home. So I always heard that voice of God trying to draw me in, but I wanted to figure things out on my own. I wanted to be my own man. Um, but it just, it led me to a place of just emptiness. Brandon, how about you? How those things let you down? Uh, yeah. Um, I, I didn't have that Christian upbringing, so I, I didn't even think to turn to God. I just kept turning to myself. And just like I kind of had all my answers to your questions are for some reason in threes. When I had those three issues, um, the three results of them were just anger. Uh, anger that, you know, as much as I tried to be good, it wasn't good enough. Um, frustration that my plans weren't working and weren't coming to fruition like I wanted them to. And just confusion when, you know, seeking for the truth when I couldn't find it and just trying to figure out why nothing made sense any time that I, I went my way. It just didn't make any sense. So, Cool. And then, Artie, since walking with God these last several years, how has God satisfied you and pleased you? Um, I said the same thing to you this morning, but it was just, it's so cool. We were um, actually out to eat um, a couple of weeks ago after church, and uh, we were just having a conversation about just God and just stuff like that. And you get like that that feeling in your stomach and that excitement. It's just, 
it, it's like nothing else you can explain. Um, nothing compares to it. You know what I mean? And that was such like a, a, a strong state for me when I first got saved because I seeked for that feeling and that excitement through drugs and alcohol, and it just led me nowhere. But just that feeling that you get from a relationship with God, it's so exciting, it's so real, and nothing compares to that. Um, I got it even tattooed across my chest. It was like a declaration for me. It's awesome. Um, but there's, uh, there's nothing like it. It's just... Uh, it's so freeing. I mean, it's you have. Uh, it's like having a, a dad who's always there for you, always ready to uh, to to pick you up when you fall down. It's uh, it's awesome. It's nothing nothing compared to it. It's, uh, I have more blessings than I can count on my hands and toes. I mean, I got an awesome family that I've re reestablished relationships with, a, a beautiful fiance, an awesome church. I mean, I, uh, I I I I can't thank God enough. Awesome, cool, Brendan. How about you, Ben? But wow, Ben. How about you, Ben? Would you like to sleep? Um, the bed. <laughs> Brennan really is blessed by his bed. Many yeah. nicknames, but that's not one of them. So, all right. Um, yeah, for me, again, I have a whole little three thing going on where once, uh, once Jesus came into my life, um, first and foremost, there was, there was purpose. You know, as like I said, I was striving to do everything the best I could, but now I actually had something to truly serve that wasn't just me that would inevitably fade away and fail anyway. I had the perfect God to serve, which gave me a purpose like nothing else. Um, confidence to know that no matter what I plan, if it comes to fruition, if it fails, whatever, that um, I'm still going to be protected by him and kept by him and that things will go on if my plans fail, which they will. And um, lastly, most importantly for me was just peace. My mind was just a constant battlefield forever. And once I finally just gave that up to him. There was just a peace like I never felt before. And it's obviously there's moments where, you know, you're not as connected. But for the most part, I could say that the peace that I've had since I came to Christ has just been amazing, you know. And already talks about these, you know, these experiences and these emotions that come with serving God. And that's there too. But for me, while those moments are there, for me, it's that ability to just, you know, be able to silence those voices in my head and just kind of, you know, enjoy the peace that God gives me is like nothing else. Awesome. Cool. Well, I just love the fact that these guys, 3,000 years later, are saying the same things David said, and that the same things David said he experienced in his song um, is what so many of us here today can say we've experienced as well. And so just be reminded, if you are a follower of Jesus, don't be that high school brat. Um, Seek him as your greatest pleasure. Um, Let that passion and excitement come back again. Ask him for it. Let, if you're better at praying than reading the Bible or, or vice versa, or if you're just struggling with community right now, maybe just being here is hard. Maybe you had a falling out with somebody and you just need God to work through that with you, whatever it might be. Let's just get things going, man. In 2015, that this would be the year that we seek God as our greatest pleasure. Those of you guys that felt the call of God on your life, pursue that this year. Don't, don't let another year go by just wishing you felt that again. It's time to pursue that. It's time to let God bring that back to life. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I just hope today you're just seeing the genuine, real truth that God satisfies, that he can do what nothing else and no one else can do. And that's why we're excited about him here. And so church, this year, would we seek God as our greatest pleasure? Would you pray with me? God, we love you. We thank you, God, for David, and we thank you for Brendan and Artie tonight. We thank you, God, for so many of us here in the room that have experienced exactly what David experienced and, and um, maybe some that aren't sure about it yet, maybe some still trying to figure it all out, but I just pray that you'd help us, God, wherever we are today. If you're a follower of Jesus, just pray about this. Seek God about this. We say this all the time here. He wants you to be close to him more than you want to be close to him. He wants to satisfy you more than you want him to satisfy you. He wants this relationship to work more than you want this relationship to work. And so 
begin seeking him for it. Being real. God, I, I got to tell you, I, I'm struggling. God, I don't like to read the Bible. Bring it to life to me. God, I feel like I fall asleep when I pray. God, church has been hard lately. I'm working through some stuff with some people, and it's just hard to be there. God, help me forgive. Help me love. Help me whatever it might be for you. Um, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I just want to give you an opportunity to, to turn to Jesus tonight if you want to. We're not twisting anybody's arms here. We just, if, if, if God's doing something genuine in your life tonight, then we would love to give you the opportunity to seek him tonight. And so if that's you, I would encourage you to pray something like this, just quietly between you and him. Jesus, thank you for wanting to be my Savior. Thank you for desiring to satisfy me and please me. God, today I want to pursue you. I want to choose what's best, not just what's good and, and not what's bad. I want to choose what's best. And so God, would you satisfy me? Would you please me with your love, with your unconditional mercy and grace and forgiveness? Thank you for dying on the cross for me and rising again. And thank you for your tremendous love for me. Would you show me how real you are, God? And would you just let my relationship with you be so strong and alive? In your name I pray, amen.